Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Stuck in Arrakis. As always, I'm your hostess Leslie, and today we're talking about, I actually don't know, chapter 13 through 23, I think? Did I really do 10 chapters? God, no wonder it took me so fucking long. Oh, that's right, I started with Elaine. Is it really 13 though? Oh yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Ten chapters. Wow. Okay, anyway, <laughs> we're talking about chapters, oh, actually, 13 to 22. Um, 13 to 22 of Knife of Dreams by Robert Jordan, book 11 in the Wheel of Time series. This episode is dedicated to Matt, who has been waiting such a very long time for it to come out. <laughs> this one's for you, Matt. Um, I'm also uploading this on the day of the Wheel of Time podcast-a-thon. I was able to attend it last year, but this year I have friends in town, um, so unfortunately I'm not able to make it, but after you listen to this episode, make sure you go check out all of the awesome other podcasts that are going to be there. Um, they're raising money for charity. I actually can't remember which one, uh, but I will post a link, maybe. <laughs> um, I might post a link. I don't know. I have friends coming into town for my birthday, so I really can't promise what's going to happen once they land. But I will try to have a link <laughs> to it um, in this episode. I also want to shout out my newest Patreon. God damn it. I always do that. My newest patron. <laughs> Smoke It Man. Thank you, Smoke It Man. I have a feeling that we have something in common. <laughs> thank you for your uh, thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. And thank you to all my patrons who I haven't thanked in a while. Thank you guys again. Uh, you're awesome. And that's it. All right, let's get into the live reactions. Hello friends, reading Leslie here. I just finished chapter 13 of Knife of Dreams, and much to my dismay, we're with Elaine, and I swear to god, <laughs> every time I read an Elaine chapter, she's even more insufferable than the last. Um, so not only has Robert Jordan chosen to make her pregnant at the worst possible time, but she, of course, also has to be, like, a stereotypical, like, caricature of a pregnant woman with the mood swings and not being able to think straight. And, like, I've never been pregnant and I'm sure that it's actually like that. But the way that it's depicted kind of bothers me. These days, she could not be certain from one moment to the next which way her emotions would leap. Leap they did, however. Boo. Um, Elaine takes a moment to think about the people that she misses, which include Matt, Tom, and Oliver. Uh, I guess Julian is j just dead to her <laughs> because she has no concern over him, him at all. Somebody attacks Caitlin with lightning and Elaine can't do anything about it because being pregnant makes it hard for her to control the true source. So Avienda stops it. I don't know where it's coming from. Like, there are a couple people that are marching on Camelin right now, I guess. Um, it could be the Northerners. I know they have some Aes Sedai with them. It could be the White Tower. I don't think Aramilla, whatever the fuck her name is, I don't think she has any Aes Sedai with her, but who knows. Um, but Avienda gets it under control. Um, Elaine laments about her mood swings. It's basically the whole chapter. <laughs> um, oh. The kin are starting to come to their senses about the Aes Sedai. It says, They once had considered Aes Sedai superior to mortal flesh, but had learned to their dismay that the shawl did not make a woman more than she was without it. Thank God, because that was like 
kind of the only annoying thing about them, right? The Ken are pretty cool in actuality, but that was always really annoying, especially at first. Oh, that's the end of the chapter. Yeah, so that's basically all that happens. The next chapter is Elaine. I think the next couple chapters are Elaine, so yippee-skippy. Hello, friends. Reading Leslie here, coming at you with another live reaction. I just finished chapter 14, which is called Wet Things, and the title... Uh, made it seem more interesting than it actually ended up being. <laughs> because it's another Elaine chapter. Um, nothing really... I mean, things happen in this chapter, obviously. Um, actually, some pretty important things. Um, so, let's just go through it. Um, there's... In the first page, like, full page of this chapter, there's another reference to Elaine's temper, um, which is just great. <laughs> Um, she can't even run in the castle without it starting a bunch of rumors. Listen, if somebody ever gave me an opportunity to be royalty, I'd tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> uh, especially after seeing Elaine go through it. Jesus. Um, oh, but she's totally okay with people thinking she's, like, fucking some random guy and pregnant out of wedlock. I guess that's not, like, a big deal in Camelin because, like... I don't know. It's just kind of weird that she's just, like, flaunting being married out of wedlock. And I know that that's just, like, a cultural thing for me. But, like, even in a lot of, like, different fantasy worlds, that's still kind of taboo. So to see it flaunted, like, so uh, openly in this book is really interesting. And I actually like it a lot. I mean, uh, uh, I don't actually like it, but I appreciate the fact that that if a queen got married or had a child out of wedlock, it wouldn't be, like, some huge deal in this world. Because women should be able to do whatever the fuck they want. And marriage doesn't make you more or less a mother, etc., etc. Um, but anyway, I thought that was interesting. Apparently, a couple of the Sean Chan women are kind of starting to come around to the Aes Sedai way of things. Um, one of them is one of the... Um, that's Damane. <laughs> One of the Damane has decided to um, choose a new surname for herself, um, which means that she's ready to, like, leave Damane ways behind and be her own person. Um, and then uh, one of the Suldam has admitted to seeing weaves whenever they happen. So some good news on that front. Um, maybe they'll be a good asset to us in the final battle, but who knows. I'm almost certain that, um, oh shit, what is her name? I'm too high for this. Oh, uh, the one that's with Nynaeve. Oh my god, how do I, f how did I forget her name? Okay, I asked Aradia. <laughs> this is why I love having Wheel of Time friends, because I can just message them and be like, help, I'm recording, I don't know, I don't remember this person's name. Her name's Olivia. God damn. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm pretty sure that Olivia is going to be a huge part of the last battle, and that is exciting news for me because I really like her. I mean, I don't entirely trust her, uh, but I like her story arc, and I like that she's been helping Nynaeve and stuff like that. Mm, one of the Suldam is uh, not showing any progress in terms of, like, re- or not reintegrating, but integrating for the first time into Wetlander society. Um, and Elaine suggests that they send her back to the Shan Chan. Um, and if that's the case, uh, then they'll probably put her in a collar. And they won't be able to hide the fact that this 
former school dom is in a collar because she can channel. Um, and like we've talked about before, that's the kind of, you know, crack in the foundation of the Shan Chan society that could really take them down. So I really feel like that's going to, something more is going to come of this at some point. Oh, Van Dien only wears her sister's clothes now, which on the one hand, I'm like, holy shit, that's weird, right? But on the other hand, I'm like, she's still trying to figure out who killed her sister. So what if she's doing like some Sherlock Holmes thing and is like trying to really get into um, her sister's mindset and like really, I don't know, follow her footsteps or something like that? <laughs> uh that's probably ridiculous, but uh, I want to give Vandine some credit. So, you know, she's going through a lot. Um, one passage says, Elaine Tracan's moods were no longer anything to be surprised at, which made me roll my eyes so hard I thought they were going to fall out of my head. <laughs> um, oh, do you guys remember Talon? Or who, uh, I don't need, I have no idea how to pronounce her name. But she was the Windfinder, I think. Um that wanted to become an Aes Sedai. And she, like, comes out and tells Nynaeve and begs her to help her. And uh, apparently her and Marilal are now missing. So I think Marilal might have run away with her to the tower, which doesn't make any sense because, like, the tower's the enemy right now, right? It just, ooh, or maybe she's going to be a spy. I don't know if they'll trust Marilal, though. Like, don't they know that she was... What? Is Marilal... A blue sister, too? I can't remember. Anyway, I don't know how they're gonna, like, I don't know how that's gonna work. I feel like that's suspicious as fuck. <laughs> um, if she's gone, like, the whole time and then just shows back up and she's like, hey, ready to be part of the tower again? Got this apprentice or whatever. This fucking, not, not apprentice, accepted? No. Novice. I got this novice for us. We'll see how that works. Um, apparently the sea folk have been going to see the sisters, or maybe not going to see the sisters, but they've been going to the Silver Swan, where, um, like, nine sisters that I don't think are sided with us, I think are sided with the tower, are there right now. So they've been going there a lot for reasons that I can't determine yet, I guess. Um, but Elaine is also worried about that, so we'll have to keep an eye on them. Um, the millionth person tells Elaine to change out of her sopping wet clothes, which you think would be obvious as fuck, but, um, after hearing so many people suggest the same thing, she just throws her head back and screams. <laughs> which I gotta say is big me energy. A lot of times when I'm having a stressful day at work, I'll just open the window and scream because, I don't know, that's a nice healthy outlet, right? <laughs> it's not like kicking a trash can and... You know, hurting your foot or anything like that. <laughs> ah. Anyway, that's all for this chapter. I'll see you guys next time uh, after I read chapter 15. Bye! Hello everyone, reading Leslie here. Uh, I just finished chapter 15, uh, which is called A Different Skill. And this was actually, like, definitely the most interesting of the Elaine chapters that I've read in a while. Um, probably because it centers around Avienda and not Elaine. <laughs> I kind of cough when I laugh today. I don't know why. Um, it's probably because I just smoked some weed. Anyway, <laughs> um, in this chapter we find out that Avienda has a different skill than we've seen before. 
Um, she can touch her angry all and angry all and saw angry all, I think, and be able to tell what they can do. <laughs> okay, but okay, let's talk about the actual chapter. So, my first highlight in the book or in the chapter is, uh, uh, apparently my cat is being a bully, so I have to go get him. Be right back. Okay, I'm back. Everybody, welcome Cheeto to the stream. Cheeto was apparently beating up our other two cats, so now he's in timeout with me, which is not really timeout because with me is the only place he ever wants to be. So now he'll stop being an asshole at least. You can't have my water, Cheeto. <laughs> cats. Anyway, um, oh, so, okay, the very first uh, section that I have highlighted is uh, Elaine's thinking about the children. And how they're disrupting everything, because that's what they do. Um, and they're not even bored yet, which is, you know, just proving my point that maybe that wasn't the, uh, the best time to have children. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> um, oh, how she wished Rand were near enough to share the full effect of her bond with him. That would teach him to get her with child so carelessly. Okay. <laughs> of course, she could have drunk the Heartleaf tea before lying with him. And instead, she just chose not to do that. <laughs> um, so, I guess my point is, I don't want to hear Elaine shit because she could have prevented it, but she didn't. Then she is uh, thinking about this um, dagger terrangrel that she has and that she's been carrying around with her, I guess. And Evian just seems fascinated with it. Um, and she picks it up and she touches it and she says... I think that if you have this in your possession, the shadow cannot see you. Not the eyeless or the shadow twisted. Maybe not even leaf blighter. So, Avienda touches, I mean, she holds the dagger and she knows what it does because that's her skill. Um, which is fucking awesome, <laughs> by the way. Okay, so let's just take a moment to think about how fucking awesome that is. But hasn't Avienda, like, touched other Terengriol? Like, why are we just now finding out about this? Was this dagger the catalyst for her, like, discovering this talent? Or has she had it the whole time? Um, so anyway, after they find out that Avienda can kind of sense what a Terregriol does when she touches it, they go and start touching all the shit that they got from Ebudar. More important, a long side table against one dark paneled wall was covered with Terregriol from the cash the kin had kept hidden in Ebudar, Cups and bowls, statuettes and figurines, jewelry, all manner of things. Most look commonplace, aside from perhaps the strangeness of design. Yet even the most fragile seeming could not be broken, and some were much lighter or heavier than they appeared. She could no longer safely study them in any meaningful way. Why? Because she decided to have kids. I mean, again, <laughs> like, Elaine knows how to make Tarangriol, and now she's unable to, to use the fucking power. She can't do shit. She's made herself completely useless at, like, the worst possible time. I know you guys are probably sick of hearing me complain about it, but goddammit. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. <clears throat> so she starts touching shit. Um, and looking back, slim black rod. She says this causes pain. And you can change how much pain each blow gives, apparently. One of the Terangriol allows you to direct a device of some sort, or a machine. Maybe it's like a remote control then. <laughs> Magical remote control. Elaine would not let her stop, though. Terangriol after Terangriol, Avienda touched or sometimes held for a moment, and, and every time she had an answer. 
so she knows what all of them can do. There was a tall vase worked with vines in green and blue. Blue vines, yeah. (laughs) That would gather water out of the air, which sounds cool. Oh, that sounded useless. Okay, yeah, Elaine, you're water rich. (laughs) Avienda's stroking it like it's the most precious thing in the world. Um, But we hear about some really cool Terengrial while they're going through and touching these, uh, the ones that they have in front of them, and figuring out what they do. A black and white figurine of a bird with long wings spread in flight was for telling, for talking to people a long way off, which is cool. Uh, One of the Terengrial works by singing the right song, um, not channeling, which was cool. There's like a, a bronze figure that holds thousands of books or something like that. It's like a Kindle or something. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I don't know, that was just really cool. I really, really loved watching them kind of go through these different Tarangrial and um, watching Avienda kind of like touch them and feel them and figure out what they do just based on contact with it. That is, of course, something that we've, I, I don't remember hearing anybody that could do that. I know that Elaine can make Tarangriol, um, but there was never any mention of a person who could uh, identify them by touching them and figure out what they do. So that's really cool. Um, and then Nadir and Dorinda, um, who are two wise ones, come in and um, say that they're they need that Avienda has to leave. Basically, she's going with the clan. Um, we are leaving Andor, Elaine. In a few hours, we will be far beyond your borders. As to where, you must ask the Karakarn. So, I don't think they know, or we know yet, where they're going. Um, so, they say goodbye. It's really sad. Um, I don't want them to be apart, but I'm also kind of glad that Avienda is no longer just stuck there. Um, I'm really hoping that Brigitte is able to leave at some point, but she's actually, like, She's more bound to, I mean, I say that, I think the bond is pretty similar, but, like, it's more of a duty for her to be with Elaine and helping her and stuff like that, whereas Avienda's and her relationship is just, like, very close, I guess. It definitely doesn't require them to be together. I mean, the water bond doesn't either, but... That relationship is one where it's expected for them to be together all the time. Um, So who knows if she's going to be able to go anywhere. (laughs) Um, Apparently, oh, so one good thing about Elaine's pregnancy. Apparently, women who can channel don't get morning sickness. So at least we don't have to deal with that, too. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, that's basically the chapter. So we figure out that Avienda... To do something super cool, and then she fucking immediately leaves. <laughs> um, so now we're Aviendalis, but hopefully um, we still get her point of view at some point soon to figure out, learn more about like where they're going and why and what the plan is. Um, because I certainly don't fucking know, uh, and I'm excited to find out. Um, but yeah, that's it for chapter fifteen. What's the next chapter? Let me look. The new follower. Oh, that's still Elaine, though. Great. (laughs) When do I get out of Elaine chapters? That's the real question. 17? Nope. Still Elaine. God damn it. Oh, that one's long, too. News for the dragon. Okay. Chapter 18. We're leaving Elaine. Thank God. (laughs) Uh, You know, 
I don't hate Elaine, like, just in general. I just don't really like where her storyline is right now. I feel like she's getting kind of the same treatment that Perrin did, where he's just, like, kind of there, and his chapters are um, not super interesting because he's just kind of in hold or on hold um, while other shit happens in the world. Um, And honestly, I would just rather not hear from her until something interesting happens. Like, I think we could have cut the previous two chapters and just focus on Avienda's cool new talent. Um, And that would have been just peachy keen with me. (laughs) Um, But anyway, we do still have two more lane chapters to get through, so I'll see you in the next one. Goodbye. Hello, friends. Reading Leslie here. The sound of the sea out of the background. (laughs) I just finished um, three chapters, actually, 16, 17, and 18. And so I'm here to talk about them. I don't know if I'm loud enough, though. Well, hopefully that's louder. Anyway, um, so chapter 16 is called The New Follower. And basically in this chapter, Elaine is trying to figure out uh, Melar or however the fuck you say his name, what that guy's whole deal is, I guess. Um, And she does that by finding like a lackey to follow him around. He's a thief who is going to be executed for his crimes or he can help the future queen by um, tracking this guy for her. Which, you know, there's also still rumors about him having having been the father of the children or, or whatever. <laughs> Which she has um, done nothing to dispute. And now she's sending people off to, like, follow him around. And, like, I don't think that guy's going to tell anybody. But, like, Elaine, clean it up, man. <laughs> um... First, Elaine meets with some mercenaries. Um, I think uh, I think they want more money or something. But Melar is there, and she suggests multiple times in a couple of different passive-aggressive ways that he should fuck off. Um, and he finally does fuck off after she directly tells him to fuck off. <laughs> um, and he basically prances out of the room. <laughs> uh. Um, Elaine, so Elaine's moral dilemma with this guy is, like, what to do about him, because she doesn't want him to get freaked out and run. Um, she wants to get the information from him first. Um, so she's trying to be really careful about how she goes about this entire investigation, which is why she's not just arresting him and putting him to the question, which is what Brigitte suggests. Um, and she says, no, I don't want him to run away, basically. Uh, Kareen and Saritha, um, Elaine is kind of on to them. She tells, uh, I think the lackey guy to be careful around them. And I believe we already know that they're dark friends working with Melar. So it's good to see that Elaine is kind of picking up on this. Although some things she doesn't pick up on. It's very irritating, but that's for the next chapter. So Hark is the um, the lackey that she gets to follow Millar around, so she can report he can report back to her on what he's doing. Um, so he put she put a weave on his belt buckle, boots, coat, and breeches. <laughs> um, it's somewhat akin to the water bond, but it fades over time. So she'll be able to find him wherever he is. Um, And that's basically it. I'm very curious to see what this guy figures out. Because, so the reason they're sending a thief who's supposed to be executed is because everybody they've gotten to follow him around so far has died. 
Um, so that's another conundrum that they're facing with this investigation is that he seems to be very aware of when people are following him and they always end up having an accident. Um, so this guy is supposed to be really good at sneaking around, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, that's basically that chapter. Um, oh, and the mercenaries want more money. That is a, um, topic for a moment from now. <laughs> um, chapter 17 is probably the most interesting Aline chapter that we've got in a while. It could have been a lot shorter, but there was still some good stuff in it because, um, Dylan comes back and one of the interesting things about Dylan coming back is she says, um, that she figure or she got lost twice trying to come to the very room that she's in. And that doesn't usually happen to her. Like, she doesn't forget how to get places. She says, is this Dylan? Oh, sorry. This is actually Brigitte um, that got lost. She said, I don't forget a path once I followed it. And some of these hallways aren't the same as they were. Some of the corridors have been shifted. Others aren't there anymore. And there are some new. Nobody is talking about it that I could find out. But I think the old people are, are keeping quiet because they're afraid their wits are going. <laughs> And the younger are afraid they're lo they'll lose their positions. So this makes me think that, you know, obviously there's a dark friends uh, in Elaine's kind of closer circle. Um, several of them, in fact. And a couple, probably Black Aja. Um, I think those two sisters are probably Black. Um, but I don't, I don't think this is... Um, something that just a black sister could do, like changing the outline <laughs> of uh, the castle, or, or yeah, the castle. So I have a feeling that there's a Forsaken close to Elaine somewhere. I'm just not sure who it is. Um, it might be Caritha or Serene or whoever. I can't remember their names. Um, it might be one of those two. But yeah, we'll see. I, I don't actually know. Um, but that's my suspicion right now. I don't think... Uh, just your average black sister could could do something like that. Like, that feels like a forsaken power. I could be wrong, but um, I guess we'll see. Anyway, um, so, I mean, they talk forever. <laughs> um, and it's mostly about politics, and there's a lot going on with Elaine right now. Um, the uh, Aramilla's siege of the town is really coming to a head. Like, I feel like that's going to start happening in this book, probably. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens there. Maybe Elaine chapters will get uh, a lot more interesting. Maybe Brigitte will be able to do something for fucking once. <laughs> um, uh, there's also a huge army, army of Borderlanders. You know, they're still there. And Aramilla and the Black Towers moving so there's a ton going on. Um, then Dylan comes in and she also says that she got lost on the way there, um, which is what I was mentioning earlier. <laughs> I forgot that Birgitta also got lost. Um, there's a lot of talk about nobles and yada, yada, yada. And then uh, Van Deen and two of her uh, kinswomen, I guess, I think they are, um, come in and they say that Rianne has died, which is really sad because I really liked her a lot. I was really hoping that she would be okay. And fuck, <laughs> that was like a stab in the chest, man. I was not expecting her to go. Um, but I guess I have to expect that everyone will go eventually. Um, but 
Van Dien says she was smothered with a power. Whoever did it used much more than was needed. The residues of Sidar were thick on her and in the room where she was found. The murderer wanted to be sure no one would miss seeing how she died. Hmm. Interesting. And they're thinking that the other uh, kinswomen who disappeared um, are actually being killed. And then that's when Elaine warns them to be careful around the two sisters that we're suspicious of. Uh, and then we get a POV from inside of Aramilla's camp. And um, it seems like the nobles, some of the nobles that are following her don't really want to. Um, they're just doing it because they're being blackmailed or, uh, you know, something like that. Aramilla has some power over them. Um yeah, um, and then at the very end, um, somebody comes in and tells Aramilla that they have agreed, but they want the whole amount of gold first, which makes me think that the mercenaries, they're paying the mercenaries more, and the mercenaries are going to be on their side, but inside of Camelin, which really fucking sucks, because that is Elaine's entire army. Uh, so yeah, uh, she, I think she made a wrong move. Uh, at the beginning of the last chapter when she met with them and they asked for more money and she, uh, I think she said no. Um, and I don't think she was very nice about it either, which I get it. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think that was the right move and I think it's going to cost her, but we'll see. Chapter 18 is finally a ran chapter. Um, we get a little break from Elaine being pregnant and eating gruel. Um... <laughs> uh, Rand and is still very much having loose there in problems. He's um, now uh, chanting the list of women that Rand is responsible for killing with him, which is just great. Um, Min is apparently using the note that Herod Fell wrote about her that said, like, hey, don't bring her anymore. She's distracting as a bookmark, <laughs> which I think is precious. Um, I feel like Min is... Not really doing a whole lot lately, so I hope she has a bigger part to play in this book coming up. Uh, because she really has just been chilling on the side there. Oh, oh, okay. I did have one huge theory of mine confirmed. And that is that um, whenever Moradin and Ran, like, cross Balefire streams in um, uh, Shader Loga, they formed a link. And Rand has just come to that same conclusion. He said, um, he's thinking about, he's thinking a memory that is actually Luce Theron's. And then, abruptly, another image was floating in his head. A man's face and his breath caught. For the first time, it came without any dizziness. For the first time, he could see it clearly in the moments before it vanished. A blue-eyed man with a square chin, perhaps a few years older than himself. Or rather, he saw it clearly for the first time in a long while. It was the face of the stranger who had saved his life in Shader Logoth when he fought Samael. He was aware of me, said Luz Theron. Oh my god, so he can see that Luz Theron is there too? Oh, fuck, this is so bad. I fucking knew something was up, man. I fucking knew there was a link or something. Then he says that when, um, I guess whenever he could see the picture in his head, it was if that he were touching the other man somehow, like it was a link. Um, when our streams of Balefire touched in Shader Logos, it must have created some sort of link between us. I can't think of any other explanation. He was using their so-called true power. It had to be that. I felt nothing, saw nothing, except his stream of Balefire. So 
he's kind of starting to pick up that this might be a forsaken. Well, I don't know. Does he know that it's a forsaken? A dark friend. Okay, but not one of the forsaken. <sighs> Loose there and knew all their faces. Shut up, Rand. God, you're so dumb. Why don't you think they can change their faces? You've seen people do it before. Anyway, <laughs> um, he said, Tavarin could be found by their effect on the pattern, though only the Forsaken knew how. Could this link be used in the same fashion? I mean, maybe, but he's also a Forsaken, you ding-dong. <laughs> and then Loghain comes back, and um, he says that more than half the Black Tower is in Arid Domon and Ilion. Uh, I sent all the men with bonded Aes Sedai, except those here, as you ordered. Okay, so most of the Black Tower is outside of the city now, but then, or outside of the Black Tower, uh, but then he um, tries to warn Rand again about uh, Mazrum Taim's, um like, faction in the Black Tower. He says... There are 41 of those now, by the way. He's given over a dozen men the dragon pen in the past few days, and he has above 50 more in his special classes. Most of them men recruited just lately. He's planning something, and I, I doubt you'll like it. And then Rand says, if he's a dark friend the way you claim, why would he do that? What? <laughs> to take you down, you dum-dum. <laughs> uh... Loghain says, he's made a tower of his own hidden inside the Black Tower, and the men in it are loyal to him, not you. And then Rand thinks, and how loyal was Loghain? If one false dragon chafed at following the dragon reborn, why not the other? He might think he had cause. He had been far more famous as a false dragon than Taim, more successful, gathering an army that swept out of Gildan and nearly reached Lugard on its way to Tyr. Half the known world had trembled at the name Loghain, but Mazram Taim commanded the Black Tower while Loghain was only another Ashaban. Men still saw an aura of glory around him. Just how that glory was to be achieved was beyond her viewing, however. So that's an interesting point, too. How, um, how loyal is Loghain? What are his motives in this? Is he actually aligned with Rand? Um, or who is he aligned with? Maybe he's just aligned with himself. There are quite a few characters just like that in the series. Um, there's a mention of, um, I guess more people are seeing the city disappear into mist that Matt also saw, which was a cool reference. Um, I, apparently Varen heard some people talking about it, or she's responsible for it. Um, apparently... Uh, so Kat Swain is there, of course. She's, like, always there now. Um, but she is questioning Rand's plan with the Sean Chan because apparently his plan is to give them the lands that they've already taken, <laughs> which is a lot, honestly. Um, but he's going to give them the lands that they're already taken um, if they side with him, basically. And Kat Swain has some questions about this, obviously, because it sounds crazy. And Rand says, I went through that doorframe to Rangriel and Tyr, Catswain. You know about that? One of my questions for the Aelfin was, how can I win the last battle? And then Catswain um, says, that's a dangerous question. What was the answer? The north and east must be as one. The west and south must be as one. The two must be as one. So if the Shanchan control the west and south and Rand controls the east and north, um, and they side to each other, 
um, then that's how he can win the last battle. Uh, he also asks how he could win and survive, and they said, to live, you must die. Very interesting. I have no idea what that means. The prophecies also say Rand has to bind the nine moons to him. Um, and as soon as Bashir returns from whatever missions he's on, he'll know where he needs to meet the daughter of the nine moons to talk to her. Um, so I'm very excited about that meeting because who else is with the daughter of nine moons? <laughs> uh, Loyal's mom and future wife are there again. <laughs> um, so, you know, with their arrival, everybody leaves for the night or whatever. But that is a very interesting chapter. Uh, and I'm really excited to keep reading. So I'm going to go do that. Goodbye. Hello, everyone. Reading Leslie here. I hope I'm audible. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I just finished reading chapter 19. I also just got uh, pretty high. So that's that's what kind of chapter reaction we're going to be uh, working with today. <laughs> um, so when we last left off, uh, oh, this chapter is called Vows. Chapter 19 is called Vows um, for a fantastic reason. Um, uh, but last time we left off, um, Loyal and Rand, etc., etc., they were all chilling in a room and talking. And somebody came in and said, Loyal, your mother's here. <laughs> so he exits the room, and that's when we begin chapter 19. And he's thinking to himself, because shit's kind of spooky, right? I think there's like a storm or something, and, um, uh, fucking, I don't know. Loyal is scared for some reason, and he wants an Aes Sedai to accompany him. And he says that he would even take Cad Swain, although she made him very nervous with how she was always pinching at Rand. Sooner or later, Rand was going to explode. He was not the same man Loyal first met in Camelin, or even the man he had left in Kyrian. The mood around Rand was dark and stony now, a dense patch of lion's claw and treacherous ground underfoot. The whole house felt the, that way with Rand in it. Um, okay, so that's the dark and stormy mood that I was talking about. <laughs> I knew I remembered something. Something was up. There was an atmosphere. Um, and I, I really think this is an interesting perspective of Loyal's because, um, he hasn't seen Rand in a long time. And in between Loyal last seeing Rand and now, a lot has happened to Rand. So he's a little bit, um... Yeah, he's definitely not the same Rand that we that we used to know, you know. Lots of, like I said, lots has happened to him. Um, and he's um, getting harder, but more fragile. And a lot of women have been added to his list since Loyal last um, saw him. Um, they cleanse Sidene, and uh, Rand is still getting sick whenever he tries to channel. And... Luce Theron is uh, very much still a part of Rand's reality. Whether or not he's real is yet to be seen. <laughs> um, neither I nor Rand know the answer to that question. Um, so there's a dark and stormy mood. Um, Loyal mentions that Varen seems to know a good deal about the town that like disappears into mist. That killed the traitor in front of Matt's eyes. Which kind of makes me think that she has something to do with it. Um, I think that Varen is really fucking powerful, like, beyond what we will ever know. Um, at least right now. Because 
like other than compelling people with her super complicated weaves, I haven't seen her do much. And I think that's because there's like some sort of reveal or something like that. Like I already know, I I swear Farron is black or evil as fuck or something. There's definitely something going on with her. And I think she's super powerful, but she's hiding it because she has this very like innocent, non uh uh aloof, <laughs> I guess, demeanor, where she just kind of mumbles her way through everything, but I think she's actually a fucking genius. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> um, apparently, oh, okay, so, uh, okay, the reason why this chapter is called Vows is because Loyal and Aerith get married, which is so precious. I loved it so much. However, I feel like every time somebody gets married, some shit goes down right afterwards. Um, like, uh, Nynaeve and Lan getting married, and then, like, there was the whole, like, escape from Terabon and, like, uh, or were they? No, they weren't in Terabon. Uh, Ebudar. They were in Ebudar. Yeah, yeah. Escape from Ebudar and the Shan-Chan attacking and, like, them having to flee and shit like that. Um, who else got married? Perrin and Fael got married, and I think while that was happening, Rand was getting stuffed in a box <laughs> or something like that. So I don't have a great feeling about this marriage. Um, I'm very happy for them, but I think it spells somebody's doom. Um, but uh, the ceremony is really quick. Um, also, Loyal is providing a dowry, um, which I thought was interesting. I guess the males, male ogier provide the dowry uh, in their culture, which I thought was cool. Oh my god. <laughs> After they get married, they rub noses. I have to read this. It's so precious. Resting her hands on his arms, she rose on tiptoes, and he bent to rub his nose against hers. In truth, they nosed for longer than they should have with Elder Haman and his mother present, but others faded from his thoughts as he inhaled his wife's scent and she his. Oh, cute. <laughs> And the feel of her nose on his pure bliss. He cupped the back of her head and barely had the presence of mind not to finger her ear. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> okay, so now they're married um, and the groping is over. And his mom starts talking about the book of translation being opened as soon as possible. I don't know what the fuck that means, but it's something big because Loyal's like, yo, no, we can't uh, open the book of translation or what the fuck ever they're talking about uh, because we have to be there beside humankind when the shadow comes. Um, and he gives several examples of um, when the Ogier, you know, and the war against the shadow and stuff like that. Anytime the shadow has been involved, the Ogier have been there to fight. Um, so Loyal's like, we can't do that yet. But they also talk about, like, um, Tarmangaden is coming, and on that hangs the fate not only of this world, but of any world we might flee to. What? Like, like, is there another dimension or something like that? Kind of like the portal stones and those worlds? Are the Ogier able to travel and, like, escape during, like, the bad times whenever this happens? I don't fucking know. Something crazy is going on. Um, but anyway... Loyal and Aerith are married, and they're still talking about what they're going to do next, and Loyal is looking outside, and he notices that, like, the forest is kind of moving, uh, because, like, hundreds and thousands of Trollocs are coming. <laughs> um, and that 
the the chapter doesn't end, but it switches point of view and um Elder Haman at the end of the Ogier POV screams Trollocs coming up axes and clear the field Trollocs coming and then we switch to Rand's POV and we hear Elder Haman um say that from Rand's perspective which is something that I love uh, oh dude okay and then as soon as the Trollocs get here the shit hits the fan oh this is so good Others had heard the ogre's cries, or maybe just looked out a window. Lightning began to fall among the charging Trollocs, silvery bolts that struck with a roar and hurled huge bodies in every direction. In other places, the ground erupted in flames, fountaining dirt and parts of Trollocs, heads, arms, legs wheeling through the air. Balls of fire struck them and exploded, each killing dozens. But on they ran, as fast as horses, if not faster. Rand could not see the weaves that drew some of those lightning bolts. Now that they were discovered, the Trollocs began to shout a wordless roar of rage. Man, that was awesome. Also, um, in the last chapter, I think I was confused about what Loghain was saying. I think he brought all of the men that have uh, Aes Sedai bound to them there to wherever Rand is. So I think he has a plan for that. But um, apparently those... Um, those attacks were from the Aes Sedai, who um, are still allowed to channel to defend themselves. Oh my god. Oh, this is so cool. And then, then, whenever the fighting starts for real, Rand tries to channel and gets dizzy. So, Luce Theron, like, is the one to grab hold of the power, which makes me think. So, my theory is, and I don't know, I mean, like, the, the whole Balefire stream crossing incident happened so fast i never thought that it was intentional on moradin's part um i think they were i thought they were just trying to kill the mist at the same time and just happened across um but now i'm thinking that uh, moradin did this on purpose to link them and make rand sick when he tries to channel so that he can't kill any more of the forsaken because he keeps fucking killing them so he kind of took Rand's power out of the equation with whatever this link is that he's created. Uh, like I said, it seemed like it happened way too fast for that. Or maybe Moradin didn't intend to create the link. He Like, he didn't know what was going to happen. I don't know. But that's my current theory. Oh my god. So Luz Theron takes over and starts channeling all this crazy fucking awesome shit. Blossom of Fire, which is just like fucking laser boom you're dead <laughs> and then um oh death gates are you fucking kidding me fucking death gates they like chomp up enemies <laughs> which is amazing and uh let's see oh yes arrows of fire um which are exactly what they sound like there's a point where he kills him or draw with like fucking a million arrows of fire and it just dies <laughs> which was amazing Trolloc struck by the filaments jerked as flesh and blood, heated in a flash beyond boiling, erupted, jerked, and fell, holes blown entirely through their thick bodies. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, this is all, like, really cool because it's a magical setting and I know it didn't happen, but some of the imagery reminds me so much of, like, actual human war, and we know that, um... <laughs> 
Robert Jordan gets a lot of his inspiration for the battle scenes from the very real war that he experienced firsthand. So on the one hand, that's really cool. But on the other hand, it's like kind of upsetting at the same time, which is probably what he was going for. And then, oh my God, it gets spicier. And then after, um, after all of the Trollocs are dead, um, and by the way, Loghain like copies a lot of the moves that he sees loose there and do. So like the other Ashaman are doing the same things and now they know how to do them, which is neat um, and kind of scary. <laughs> Um, but Luce Theron is filled with Sidene and he like doesn't let it go and he keeps drawing more and more in until Rand almost can't take it anymore and he's like, I want to die. Oh my god, this is so good. He's like, I want to die. Like, I don't, I don't want to be alive anymore. Like, I could just end it right now. And Rand is like quietly begging him, you know, not to do that. To wait. We have to wait. We have to die at a certain time, and it's not that time yet. And finally, Luce Theron releases the source, but only after Loghain's like, yo, why are you so filled with the one power right now? Um, and they have kind of like a, I don't know, they have a moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, really good. That, that chapter was really good. Um, the Golden Crane is next. I have recently been assured that this chapter is really, really, really good in uh, our latest book club. Okay, anyway, so I'm gonna go read it. Okay, goodbye. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode. Oh, just kidding. This is not an intro. I'm quite high. Hello, friends. Reading Leslie here. <laughs> I just finished three chapters, which will actually round out this episode, so I'll get it up tomorrow, um, but I'm here for live reactions. So, the uh, first chapter I read was chapter 20, uh, The Golden Crane, which was so fucking good. <laughs> Everybody told me it was going to be good, and they were not wrong. Um, first, uh, so let's just go through it. You know, I got highlights. We'll talk about it. First of all, Loghain calls the Ashaman under his, I don't know, leadership or whatever, his men, which does not go unnoticed by Mr. Rant. Um... Uh, as you probably remember from last time, because it just happened for you, <laughs> um, a bunch of Trollocs and Merdral attacked the house that they're all, like, kind of hanging out in. And um, Rand, Rand thinks that it seems similar to, like, a Samael attack. So it almost, I don't know, I, there's a lot of things pointing to the fact that maybe he's not dead. But I feel like Robert Jordan is also a little bit tricky about those things because he likes to mislead just a little bit or have signs pointing to not the right thing. But, I mean, this is such obvious foreshadowing. I don't know. Um, so, I, I I can't tell. Either he's dead or he's not. <laughs> All signs are pointing to yes, but I don't trust... I don't trust Robert Jordan at this point. He misleads me a lot. Um... Uh, Men says that she has been wrong before. She says, I was wrong about Moraine. I saw all sorts of things in her future and she's dead. That's because she ain't dead, girl. Mm. She ain't dead. She ain't dead. She ain't dead. <laughs> I have to dance and sing about that because um, that was my biggest prediction success. I think I knew Moraine wasn't dead and by fuck, she's not. <laughs> uh... Also, 
Varen disappeared and left Rand a note, which I am very fucking suspicious about. The last battle is apparently days away at this point, and now all of a sudden Varen has business. Like, she didn't ask Rand if she could go or tell him in any way, so I don't know. But she does leave a message that says, uh, Be wary of other sisters, including those who have sworn fealty to you. Such an oath means nothing to a black sister. That's like a big fucking helping of irony, isn't it? (laughs) All of the women that swore fealty to him have been compulsed by, or compelled, I like compulsed better, um, have been compulsed by Varen. And um, it's funny that she says that an oath means nothing to a black sister when one of my theories is that Varen is either a black sister or... She's a forsaken or something, dude. There's something going on with her, and it just reeks of fucking evil. Yeah, then Rand talks about how, like, you know, yeah, Varen is the one I shouldn't trust because she just, she had not said where she was going or what she intended to do there. Was she afraid he might not approve? Maybe it was just Aes Sedai concealment. Sister kept secrets as naturally as they breathed. Yeah, I think uh, Varen's, Varen has a lot of secrets, and... I haven't found any of them out yet, but yeah. Uh, Cad Swain calls her a woman of many masks, which is very interesting. Again, all signs pointing to Varen being, I don't know, evil as fuck and having lots of secrets and stuff like that. But I also don't know if I can trust that because Robert Jordan likes to mislead me. Oh, Elder Haman. I think that's how you say his name or Hammond. I think it's Haman. Uh, he volunteers to go and... Uh, I think destroy the way gates or put traps on them. What was it again? Mm. Oh, seal them. Okay. He's going to go seal all of the whale gates. Whale gates? Way gates. <laughs> and there's a little plane driving by. Cool. Flying by. Whatever. God. They're my mortal enemies, you guys. I can't even tell you. Anyway, uh, there's a mention of Elza, one of the Aes Sedai, being fanatical in her devotion, which I don't trust that motivation at all. Maybe she's the black sister among them, and that's why she's more fanatical. Or maybe, I don't know, Varen compulsed her, and we cannot forget that. So maybe Varen did something extra to her or something. I don't know. Um, Somebody comes and tells Rand that the Daughter of the Nine Moons will meet him in three days. um, Which seems a little weird, because she's with Matt, and she's not with the Shan-Chan. And that envoy, I think... Or Rand's emissary or whatever was just to, like, the Sean Chan in general. But she's not really with the Sean Chan right now. So I don't think who he's meeting is going to be the actual daughter of Nine Moons. Min tells Rand that we'll talk about it later. Wait, was it Min? Yeah. Min tells him that we'll we'll talk about it, whatever it was. Uh, hold on. Oh, oh, coming with them. Yes, of course. Of course, she wants to come with them. And Rand's like, absolutely not. And she's like, we'll talk about it. And he says, or he thinks, the most dire words a woman can say short of, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> uh, it's true. <laughs> um, Nynaeve has a ring with a pale stone that vibrates continually on her finger. Um, the pattern of vibration was mixed, a reaction to Sidar and Sidine being channeled outside. Uh, but I love all of her cool Terengriol. I wish I had 
a bunch of magical items that I could wear. <laughs> she also has a like mood detector ring, which I gotta say, that's a real product of the 90s, Robert Jordan. <laughs> I can't believe he gave his character a mood ring. <laughs> 90s is like strangely conservative about other people like I don't know she she talks about Loghain and one of his uh Aes Sedai sharing a bed out of wedlock and that they're not the only ones 90s shut the fuck up <laughs> random men aren't married what are you trying to say just chill uh but but we switched into 90s POV and that's where the chapter really gets good is because um, she and Lan, Lan is obviously, like, quite distraught about the fact that so much of the Borderland army and all of their leaders are, like, south of the border, and there's nobody there to watch it. And he's really upset by this, and Nynaeve can tell, and, you know, you can see that he's really torn between his duty of protecting the Borderlands and wanting to be with Nynaeve, his wife, and she eventually tells him that he needs to go and do what he needs to do, which is really the biggest moment in the book um, whenever they decide that they're going to, to part for a while. Oh my god. <laughs> she said, <laughs> Oh, actually, I think this was Lamb that says this. Oh my god, he says, Perhaps we can have one last night together in Shinar. It may be some time before we're together again, and I'll miss having my back clawed. <laughs> oh, so spicy. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Uh, but anyway, they eventually, they decide to part, and um, Nynaeve portals him to a place in the Borderlands, which turns out to be, like, way far away from it. So he has to ride for days to get there. And in the meantime, while she, while he's riding there, Nynaeve is like, well, she goes to one place at least and tries to gather some troops, basically. So, like, um, she goes to this pub or something like that where these merchants are doing work or something like that. And uh, she says that her name is Nynaeve. Uh, the message that I want to send is this. My husband rides from World's End towards Tarwin's Gap, towards Tarman Gaiden. Will he ride alone? And then all of the guys are like, yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, it says, Well, Manigan, Gorinolin, <laughs> do you still remember who you are? Do you remember your blood? Who rides with me for Tarwin's Gap? For a moment, he thought neither man would speak, but Gorinolin was on his feet, tears glistening in his eyes. The golden crane flies for Tarman Gaiden. He said softly, The golden crane Flies for Tarman Gaiden, Manigan shouted, leaping up so fast he overturned his chair. And then they all jump up and say, you know, the golden crane, etc., etc. And now there's movement. And that was just such, like, oh, it's such a huge moment because Nynaeve is such a badass. Like, I can't, I can't understand, like, how people can read that and be like, nah, fuck Nynaeve. <laughs> That's so amazing, dude. She's such a badass. She knows what needs to happen, and she gets it fucking done. And she's not going to let Lan go out and try to do it all by himself, because the Borderlands are empty right now. Like, their armies are not there. Okay, next chapter is 21, Within the Stone. Uh, basically, Rand goes back to the Stone of Tear, and shit happens there. So, uh, let's go. Yeah, they're forsaken, so... 
whoever sent those uh, Trollocs and Merdral were able to find Rand somehow, which makes me wonder who around him is betraying him. And I think it's Varen, but it could be more than one person. Um, I'm completely convinced that Varen is evil. She's deliciously evil, but she's still evil. <laughs> oh, yeah, when they get there, uh, Rand hears the sound of a steam wagon, and it, like, drives up. And that's a big moment for, you know, the development of technology in the world. Um, Min also sees that a lot of people in the stone or around Ilian or whatever. Is the stone in Ilian? No, it's in Tyr. <laughs> um, the people around wherever they are are going to die of hunger. And it's because food is becoming really hard to come by. It spoils really quickly too. Um, and there's just not enough to go around. That's just part of the world ending. Oh, there's been a lot of, like, fighting, too. Like, men fighting outside of bars and fist fights and men wrestling on the pavement. Um, it seemed one pair was not well out of sight before the next pair of fighting men came into view. So, there's another reference in the last chapter. Oh, wait. Yeah, more footpads, more murderers, more arsonists, more of every sort of crime. Not to mention madness of the sort a man just did not want to think on. So, not only, I mean, and who knows, it could be like some sort of aura in the air, some shit like that. But also, you know, people are hungry, they're tired, they're poor, The it's hot as fuck all the time. Dude, I'd be in a shitty mood too. I'd, I would punch everyone. <laughs> they have a dragon banner with wings on it now, I guess. Yeah, this chapter wasn't, like, super interesting. Oh, sometimes the corridors and the stone change, um, which we've also seen in the, I don't know, the palace that Elaine is currently in. What is that? The the throne? No. The rose throne? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> the rose throne? The lion throne? I think it's the lion throne. You know what I mean. So, yeah, everything is just looking real shitty. Um... Oh my god, I just ripped my book. Oh, did you guys hear that? I can't believe I did that. Anyway, <laughs> Rand is just catching catching himself up and shit like that. Um, meat is inedible two days after slaughter. Yeah. The world's coming to an end. Oh yeah, Darlin becomes king of the stone. Which men saw, and I was like, oh, maybe he'll, he'll be crowned because he helps Rand in some way. Boom. Fucking called it. <laughs> Uh, okay, next chapter. To make an anchor weep. Uh, uh, God, this one could have been a lot shorter. It was still, it was pr a little bit interesting, um, but mostly I was just trying to get through it. Um, so we're with the Athenmir in this chapter. Um, we're with, fuck, I can't remember which one it is. Oh, Harine. I was, I was like, it's either Harine or Zeta. Um, Zeta is there too, though. Okay, but Harine goes to Ilian to meet up with, you know, basically the rest of the sea folk and figure out what the fuck they're gonna do next. Um, after the Great Escape, um, which is after they all escaped from imprisonment in Ebudar. So they're, you know, the ones that are, were got, <laughs> the ones who got out are now free. Lots of people died in the process, though. Lots of women died, um. So now they're meeting to see what they're going to do next, basically. And it's like the 
Council of Twelve or something like that. Um, Zyda is really upset about the her- the deal that Harine made with um, with Rand because he only has to see he only has to attend her uh, three times every two years, so they can't get an audience with him otherwise. Loghain shows up, <laughs> and everybody's like, "Oh wow!" Uh, because you know Loghain's a stud, I guess. Oh, no, it's because he was the Dragon Reborn, and they all knew that. <laughs> well, now you guys know how I feel about Loghain. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, he says, it's been a long time since I ate anyone for breakfast. I um, I would object to that based on the, a recent chapter where I'm pretty sure he was fucking Gabriel or whatever bef- right before breakfast, and... That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> uh, oh, the Amy Amiar, 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 maybe. Um, the who are like the people who follow the way of the leaf, but like Sea Folk edition. <laughs> um, they're all dead. They all like committed mass suicide because the Great Hand on Tremalking melted, and I think that is. Um, the big male angry all or whatever, right? Like the big statue that they use to cleanse the taint. So I think cleansing that destroyed those two big statues. So they melted, but that's a sign of the times for the this religion. So they all just committed mass suicide. It's really sad. It's super fucking depressing. And then Loghain ends the chapter with, Mourn if you must, but mourn on the march for term and guiding because again it's coming up it's like days away i'm so close i still have three books left but somehow i'm still so close (laughs) okay anyway that's all i got for you guys thank you so much for coming and checking out this episode Uh, i hope you're all staying happy and healthy and i'll have another one for you soon bye (laughs) 